Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. This is the Mark Boris Podcast. G'day and welcome to the show. I'm Mark Boris and today I'm mixing things up. Well, maybe I'm going to put things into the mixer. We've got a special guest in for this week's podcast. And our special guest is celebrity chef Luke Mangan. Luke owns 21 restaurants in four different countries as well as being on the p cruise ships and Virgin Airways planes, which, by the way, uh, is one of my favourite airlines. We're going to talk all about Luke's journey since opening Salt Restaurant in 1999 and his crazy journey that he's been on since then. Look, he's got now over 700 staff at all these restaurants and working in the head office. By the way, that is a lot of people to manage. That's a big deal. So I want to get straight into it. Mate, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Okay. 20 years in the kitchen, working in kitchens, and 10 years working on kitchens. That's like 30 years in this industry. That's a big bloody business. It's a long time. Uh, how do you feel, mate? Jaded? Yeah. Well, no. I, look, to be honest, I've been pretty lucky. I mean, I, I got kicked out of school young when I was 15 and sort of fell into cooking. So, and, you know, has been lucky. I've had some downs, but, you know, there's been some good ups as well. But I, I love the industry, but we have some real issues in it with young kids not coming through. And, and I do worry what's going to happen in the future you know, with the shortage of chefs and things like that. Well, that's that's an interesting point because a lot of people listening to this show, um, you know, they're budding entrepreneurs. They they're working in the kitchen. They want to be Luke Mangan. They they and they're probably maybe sitting there and maybe they just got kicked out of school and they don't know where to go. They're probably thinking, well, I'm not the best academic and uh, you know I'm not great at scholarly stuff. Tell me why you chose. You say you fell into it, but why did you choose? Did your mum take you there? Why did you choose to become a chef? Well, it was exactly that. I hated school. I hated everything to do with school and I couldn't sit still and I spent most of the time out of the classroom being kicked out of the class. So um, mum was a good cook and I'm from a family of seven boys. Uh, very Catholic. Seven boys? Yeah, I'm the youngest of seven and, and very Catholic family. My, my father was a bank manager. He was tough as nails. Um, so, you know, w- cooking, mum cooked all these beautiful meals and it was all in the in, in the centre of the table. We'd all share and all that sort of thing. So I fell into cooking that way, that passion of the beautiful food and waking up to uh, mum straining a chicken stock and cooking bread and baking cakes. That was amazing. That you know? unbelievable. Well, you don't see that much nowadays, I no, guess, absolutely. do absolutely. So that got me into it. Um, and then when I got kicked out of school, I, I actually said to mum, you know, about two weeks before I did work experience, at a great restaurant in Melbourne called Two Faces in South Yarra. It was one of the best in the country, and this was, was in about 84, 85. And um, I hated it. For that two weeks, I just washed pots, peeled potatoes, and peeled prawns. Hated it. 
Little did I know two weeks later, I was getting kicked out, you know, Mangan, you're no good, get out, you know, so that, and I had to tell my parents and dad didn't take it too well. He said to me, he said, well, what are we going to do? I said, well, I might go give cooking a go because I did it a couple of weeks ago and I really enjoyed it, which I didn't, um, but I'll give it a go. So I went in he said, okay, you go in, you're going to work in that restaurant. The minute you quit that apprenticeship, I'm putting you back at school. There's so, a disincentive. Yeah. Well, I, I certainly uh, hated the whole four years of it, but I stuck at it. And uh, it was the best thing I ever did because, uh, well, th- things have turned around, I guess, for me. But but that that sort of threat of my old man sending me back to school, which I didn't want to do, I, I stuck at the cooking. And, and then from that four-year apprenticeship, I went to London and, and, and worked with some great chefs and just, you know, things fell into place. But you're saying it, Luke, you're saying it's like it's, um, like it's a matter of course and- and I, I think, I mean, in my case, it's the same thing. Um, I think for parents listening, um, it's very important for parents actually to give their kids direction and do it with discipline and strength and, and actually some sort of firmness or f- force, so to speak. Yeah. So clearly your mum and dad, and in particular your mum, your experience with your mum gave you a, a, a feeling about cooking and then they're, they're that, that example what you just gave about your dad telling you, mate, if you don't stick with this, you're back to school. Yeah. I mean, that process was very important to getting you on the, on the course of action. But for you then to go and get a job in London, that's not not every chef can go and do that. No. How well, did that happen? Well, that was that was a bit of a uh, thing. So this, this chef, Michelle Rue, three-star Michelin in London, was out in uh, Australia promoting his new book, and uh, it was his first book I'd seen in Australia. It was called Patisserie. And I think it came out in about uh, 1989 or something or 1990. And I got this book and I thought, this is amazing. And I just finished my apprenticeship and I thought, I want to go work with this guy. So I wrote a letter, you know, uh, wrote the letter. And I got a letter back six, eight weeks later saying, no, sorry, two-year wait list. Um, thanks. Uh, we'll put your name on the list. And I was a bit pissed off by that. So I actually <laughs> spoke to mum and dad about it. and. Um, uh, I ended up ringing him, ringing the restaurant that morning. I just rang the restaurant. I said, oh, could I speak to the chef in the kitchen, please? I'm calling from Australia. I got through to the kitchen. Are you serious? Oh, yeah, I got through to the kitchen. He answers the phone. And I said, um, is it, you know, I got your letter and thank you, two-year wait list. I really want to come work with you. He said, no, no, no chance, two-year wait list. And I said, well, hang on a minute. What about I work a month without pay? And if I'm any good, you give me a job. He goes, we'll see you in a few weeks. So that's a great story. Off I went, and um, you pay I, your own way to get to the. You got my everything home. How old there. were you? Eighteen? Uh, I was nineteen, I think. Nineteen twenty. Well, that that's a lot of initiative for a nineteen-year-old. I don't know where that came from, and I still scratch my head thinking about it. But it, you know, I wanted that job, and I wanted to but learn. So you took a risk. You well, probably I didn't know it was a risk, did I? But you didn't know it was a risk at the time. But you no. just said, oh, "I'm going to have a crack." Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And what do you put that down to? I mean, what do you put down? Some people will have a crack, and some people never have the crack. What is that? Is that your, how you grew up, or is that because you're one of seven boys, or <laughs> yeah, you had to be. do your best? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah, maybe I was just. I'm always determined and want to get things done. And you know, if someone says you 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 can't do this or can't do that, I, I always refer to you know what happened in 1969. They go, "What? Well, they put man on the moon." Well, so they say. So you know, the, you can do anything. So that that's my theory. So. Went, went and did that job with him um, and, and spent three years there. And, th- and that was an incredible experience. And, and Okay, so the richness of these experiences with Mr. Rue, R-O-U-X, I guess, yep. is, is, um, is pretty important. But what does that give you? I mean, does it give you a good CV or does it give you confidence that you can do anything you want? What is it that you get from that experience? It gave me a foundation where I had a foundation from two faces in South Europe of, you know, um, 
the TV cameras weren't around. Herman Schneider Two Faces were like Gordon Ramsay in a kitchen. But, you know, you might get the pot thrown at you and things like that. Michelle Rue, so he taught me a, a very firm discipline. Michelle Rue taught me discipline but technique and gave me a foundation in cooking. And as in every profession, journalism, whatever it may be, you need a foundation to work from, I, I believe. What do you mean by the foundation? Well, you know, a foundation. So I learned French cooking or, or, or that classic cooking. So you need a real stock to make a sauce. When you roast a chicken, you roast it properly or, or cooking has evolved so many ways, but it, it gave me a, a technique to learn and, and to base on. And from that base, I just improved my cuisine or, or borrowed from other cuisines. So you built on your skill. Built on the skill, yeah. 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 yeah so and you off a really good foundation. Exactly. Which, by the way, a lot of our young listeners, our young budding entrepreneurs, don't understand it's probably not even enough to go to university these days. you actually got to get a good, solid skill base to build off your artistic bit after exactly, that. Exactly, yeah. So you, you would say um, uh, your first job, what was it called? Two Faces. Two Faces Two in faces South Area. And, yep. and then... That together with what you got from Rue in, in London yep. gave you this really great skill base off the bottom of which you can then sort of branch out to do what you want to do. That's right, yeah. So what did you do after that? So, so I, 22, 21? Yeah, I think I had my, I know I had my 21st birthday at the Waterside Inn with Mr. Rue and I started at 7 a.m. and finished at 1 a.m. That was what we did six day, for six days a week. And I think we were paid about 100 quid a week. Whoa. Whoa. But I'd do it again tomorrow. Where'd you live? We lived above the restaurant, yeah. shared a room with four others, French guys who never spoke English. Okay, so and this who so, hated Australians. So when people look at Luke Mangan and they look at he's got twenty one restaurants, etc., and big staff, and you know it's doing really well and well known and highly respected, probably having a good time doing what he's doing, enjoying it. They don't realise what you had to do back then. Yeah, people no. just say because well, that because then everybody wants to jump from that's right leaving school straight into being Luke Mangan. Yeah, they want to be on the TV and have the cookbook and all that sort of thing. But there's a big path to get there. So. Um, I actually came back to Australia and in Melbourne because I'm originally from Melbourne and, and went for a few jobs and I was about 24, I think. And, um, you know, I was cocky, I, you know, I had a lot of confidence with me and probably too much, but I, I started these jobs as a second chef, which is a big thing. And it's quite young to be a, a second chef at 24. Is that two OC in the kitchen, is it? Yeah. Yeah. Under the, under the big boy, the head chef. And then, um, you know, I went for three jobs, three different restaurants in about 18 months. All went broke. Whoa. Yeah. So my confidence level went back down, which was a good thing. And then I was a bit, I thought, I'm going to throw it in. You know, this is not what, you know, and I don't know what I would have done. But luckily, I answered a job application in the Melbourne Age advertised by Mr. John Hemmies from the Maryvale family uh, at to open Hotel CBD. Yeah, another one. I yeah. know John. So there you go. So I answered that and... um well, there was a little bit of confusion. So anyway, I came out for the interview, all good. And John was humming and hawing, lovely guy. And I've got, had a lot of respect for John. And um, anyway, I moved to Sydney. I borrowed a hundred, uh, 500 bucks off mum to get to Sydney on the bus. So it came up, blah, blah, blah. I started a job in Oxford Street at a restaurant called Rogues. I don't know if oh, you yeah, know. I remember. And yep. this, is, this has been. Peter Simpson. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, exactly right. Anyway, cooking away, blah blah blah, and I mean, it was one of the best nightclubs around. Then, 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 cooking away on a Friday night, and this tall guy walks into the kitchen, suit, blah blah blah, and I recognise. This is a few months later, and it was Mister John. Yeah. And he goes, you know, I Luke, I met you, and uh, we had the chat, and still trying to make up my mind. Look, here's my card. Give me a call next week, and we'll get together again because CBD's coming closer, and all that sort of great. Good. Go home next morning. Get, walk into Rogues, and. Uh, 
I see all the staff out the front. What's going on here? Padlocks on the doors. Restaurant went broke. And I'm thinking, my God, this is not good. Anyway, I ring John and have a good chat. And then uh, he put me, he had a place in Chalice Avenue, which he's, I think they still own the building. I worked there for another six months. He was testing me out and he was testing another 50 people out, I think. But the end of the, after that six months, I kind of said, John, you know, do you want me here or are you going to give and me And where this? were you working during this period? I, I, I was at his Maryvale restaurant right, right. and he was testing me out. So he paid me a wage and all that and I was living in a little small bedroom in King's Cross. And, um, you know, he eventually gave me the job for C, CBD and I was 24, 25. So I was a young head chef and that was the best thing that ever happened to me because he opened that amazing place and it was the first, you know, first big pub and with four different venues and levels. And then, um, you know, I got uh, good reviews and, and reviewers started to take notice, I guess. And from there, it's just been a lot of luck, I guess. Yeah. Because you, you just made – look, you just said something to me really interesting. Like as a businessman, chefs, to be a good chef, you have to be in a good business. You have to be with the, the owner who knows how to run the business, yeah. actually run it properly, not – because – it's not an unusual story for restaurants to go broke. No, I think three and five do. That three out of five. Three out of five. So yeah. all you budding chefs who think you're going to become Luke Mangan, let, let's let's just get it clear. Three out of five chefs, sixty percent of all all restaurants go broke. Yeah. What what is that? Oh mate, I wish I knew. I've had that recipe. <laughs> I I just think you know a lot of kids who open restaurants or rest. There's so much to a restaurant. It's not just the food and the ego of the chef. It's it's the lighting, it's the flowers, it's the wine list, it's the music, whole package. It's the newest place going to open up around the corner. Exactly right, you know. And, and I've got stories when Otto opened, or when we had Salt in Darlinghurst. When we get to that, but you know, Otto opened uh, about 12, 18 months later after us. You know, the crowd moved to that yeah, yeah. next new hot it. restaurant. Yeah, so it's pretty incredible. And now they've moved out Otto's. Yeah, that's right. They're somewhere else. Yeah. So so because I want to get on it. So let's talk about Salt. Mm. So uh, you've gone from CBD. Yeah. Which was a great five six years, and 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 Mr. John was a, a great mentor for me. And one of the and by the way, Justin now is yes. carrying on that legacy of yeah, his father, unbelievably. And well. they are great restaurateurs or destinations. Yep, generally pubs, yep. restaurants, no. the whole the whole shoot and match. They're, yeah. they're brilliant at it. He's a, he's a genius. Um, just before I go to Salt, what is it that you learnt from? John Hemmies and and that that whole family because it's like a it's a big business a whole big family business. dollars and cents what, is it about that business yeah it's it, about business it, so you work on the business as opposed to in the business hundred percent and it's something I was never taught and I was never into figures or money and because money didn't mean anything to me um, but John was you know he was so, we'd have our weekly meetings and strict on food costs strict on wage costs and blah 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 and that's where I learned and the budgets and all that cash flows cash flow God cash flow if I'd known that. <laughs> and they don't teach you that at uh, chef school. They certainly don't. And no. and Mr. Rude, did, he would obviously be in that business, but he didn't teach that either. No, he taught me that cooking foundation, which is so important as well. But then learning that other foundation from, from John was so important. So the business skill yeah. is what you got from John Hemmies. Big time. And uh, you then, so take me into Salt. What happened? So, so I had the discipline and had the cooking knowledge, and then John gave me that money. Then Salt opened. Uh, I, I borrowed nearly a million bucks we Whoa. in Dar Darlinghurst. I was 28. We opened when I was That's 29. That's a lot of money when you're 28. It was pretty stupid, wasn't it? I, I got lucky again because I bought a house in Paddington, um, a little terrace, really cheap, and sold it six months later and made a lot of money on it. That was a fluke. Um, and then all that money, I went to the bank and they lent me the money, thankfully. And um, 
Uh, Open Salt, we were the hottest new restaurant in Sydney, if not Australia, and we won all these awards and it was fantastic and blah, blah, blah. Then comes along all the other restaurants, you know, three, four years down the track, there's we're no longer hot. I expanded, opened a couple of other restaurants, Bistro Lulu and Moorish down in Bondi. Um, had some different circumstances with different partners. And then, um, you know, Salt's turnover. In our first year, we did five million bucks in our first year of turnover in 1999. Incredible. That's didn't, a lot. Didn't picture that. And, um, but you know, as all these new restaurants started to open, um, I was, my ego was all about food and not thinking too much about the figures. Um, laundry bill was like five grand a month and rent was astronomical and turnover dropped. So I got in a real pickle and, and, uh, I was that close from becoming broke, uh, after that five years. And then another fluke, uh, a Japanese businessman sent out a headhunter wanting to open an Australian restaurant in Tokyo. And this person went to all the best restaurants, Tetsu's, Rockpool, and blah, 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 all that, and came to Salt on their last night and called me uh, for, for a, a coffee that night, said, you know, can we have a meeting tomorrow, blah, blah, blah. And I'd heard that so many times, that story. You know? And then we had a meeting and said, you know, we want to open an Australian restaurant. We've been to all these restaurants. Yours is the best. And I thought, yeah, right, great. Best in what would it regard? Well, just the best, the whole package, the right. whole experience, food, service, ambiance. And it was a beautiful restaurant as well. And um, so... I had that meeting. And I didn't think I'd hear much of it. Um, and, and anyway, it did. And, and I was so broken. They didn't know that. I sold them 49% of the salt brand only for Asia. Wow. Yeah. So you franchised them, so to speak. Pretty much. Pretty much. And uh, if they hadn't come along, we wouldn't be here talking. Yeah, well, you may have been here in a different guise, you know. You, you might have become a banker or like me or something. Like that. But like, but, but, I would have made more money. I mean, probably. <laughs> but that's quite interesting. That's very interesting, Luke, because it's not – just luck, though. I mean, luck will find you if you're in there for hanging there for long enough, mm. and if you promote yourself in a way that is um, like a popular and and that you provide the right service and the right product. Yeah, I mean, people like what you're doing. Yeah, you might have been might have been getting close to the to the line in terms of not making more than you were spending, but it didn't make much difference in that regard because you still were popular. You're still giving the right product and the right service to the consumers, which is why this guy from Japan comes to you in the first place. Yeah. So you need a lucky break, all right? Everybody needs a lucky yeah. break. And, uh, I mean, you're not called Luke for nothing. Mm. That, I mean, if on another pronunciation, that is lucky. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and so, but, but that's what people got to understand. You've got to be patient. You've got to hang in there for the long term. So you've got to equip yourself. If you want to set, set up a business like Luke Mangan has doing, you're a budding chef and you think you've got it, then what you've got to do is make sure you have a sustainable business model. And that, what I'm talking about here now, people who are listening, is that you, you've got to have your – You've got to have the ability to hang in there long enough for someone else to come and partner up with you, mm. which means you've got to make sure you've got capital up front or you've got backers or you've got a bank loan that actually helps you get through the tough times. And as Luke said, you're always going to find someone, there's always going to be someone else going to open up down the road mm. and try and run off the back of you. Yeah. I mean, that's what Otto did. He came up from Melbourne, didn't he? Yeah. That's right. Morris Cassini, wasn't it? I think. And, yeah. And, and, at the time. Yeah. yeah and, and that whole wharf development opened yeah, back yeah, yeah. then in 2000 or whenever it was. And um, Did you shit yourself when that happened? Oh, when revenue started to drop, yeah, I was, I was panicking. <laughs> Remember, did you, okay. So revenue started to drop. Did, but when, when you heard that, you know, you got Otto's there and there was the, the steak joint next door, I, think, I don't know if they were there then. I can't remember. Yeah, but, I think they all opened it. But you had, there's a whole lot of them around there. Yeah. Now, did you sort of say, oh my God, what the fuck? Am I going to make this or not? Well, I kind of thought competition is kind of good in a way as well and, and bring more people to the area because it wasn't far from us, yeah, yeah, Wollamaloo yeah. and city and stuff. So, you know, I, I thought competition could have been good, but 
things, you know. Because those restaurants turned that into a destination. It was unbelievable, wasn't it, yeah. how they did it. And, you know, I opened up a couple of other restaurants and perhaps stepped out of the kitchen more at Salt. Did that change things? Possibly did. I, I don't know. I'm not going back and looking at it or blame, but, but um But did, yeah. you, did you, do you feel it? Because I've, I've experienced this in my life, in my business life. I mean, do you feel at some stage... I'm going so well, I'm, I get a little bit arrogant and I actually yep. underestimate the competition. Uh, yes, I did then at 30, but yep. now I'm 47, I don't. No, I'm I, the same. I, 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 I've, I've grown up. I well, think. my ego is gone now. Yeah. I mean, I, there's no ego in it That's anymore right. for me. Yeah. It's more cause, more you know, 100%. process, product, service. Exactly. And and I, I want to go back to this cash flow um, position mm. because today, Salt's, so can I actually, is Salt still own 49% by these yes. Japanese, right? Yes, in Asia, yeah. Okay. Are they Japanese or Asian? Japanese. Japanese, right. So the Salt brand is effectively what you white label you you provide Pinot, yep virgin yep hilton yep the ability to use your brand yep which is luke mangan at salt yeah or, however, or, or whatever it may be we're glass at the hilton and things glass like that. at the hilton yeah but, but um they you know with Pinot and virgin licensing deals right but did, did does do the do the asian shareholders in salt have a have a, a a percentage of your Luke no. Mangan's brand? No. Because you can do those separately. They're all separate. So okay. Australia is very separate. So what you've done is effectively you've taken your brand to what I call white label, but your brand and you're making What's it, white label? Well, basically give someone else the ability to label their business with your brand. Right. And they pay you in return for it. Yeah. They pay you an annuity or they pay you a fee for it or wage for it or somewhere where you're not necessarily taking the risk on the business itself. Exactly. And you're, what you're doing is you're providing them the product, the brand. So you're getting people in the door. Yeah. You're making them because of the product and the brand. And you're making people satisfied because I guess you have to look at quality. Yes. And it seems to me that there's a few chefs doing that sort of process now. It seems to be quite an effective way of being using your chef skills and your business skills and your personal brand. Yeah. I learned it through uh, a mate of mine in, in New York. When I first opened Salt, um, his name's Mario Batali. He's got probably one of the biggest chefs in America. And he's got so many restaurants over there. He um, is a really smart guy. And, and when I was going through some financial difficulties at Salt, I had a chat with him and he gave me a few ideas of how you can do things. Because in, in America, you know, he's got restaurants in Vegas and they're all licensing deals and things like that. No risk, which is great, but looks after the brand. So I think the way, you know, in America and Europe, they, they look at that model a lot. Australia, we sometimes think that we're New York and London. In Sydney or in Melbourne, we're not. I mean, the pop. You look how many restaurants we've got in this city, and they're all fantastic. There's great chefs, but how can we c- compete against them? I mean, look what's happened down at um, Bangaroo. I think there's a, another seventy restaurants opening. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, it's crazy. Yeah. So we've got no staff to fill those restaurants, but also where where what's going to happen to all the other restaurants on the outskirts? So that's where all these restaurants go broke. So, so that that's just interesting. So what's the gentleman's name again in New York? Uh, Mario Batali. Okay, so basically... And Wolfgang Puck is another well, guy. I was going to say Wolfgang Puck. Yeah, yeah, I've been to his restaurants yeah. in Vegas, yeah. for example. So this this model that we're talking about, yeah. um, that um, Mario effectively became a mentor to you. I mean, yeah. you, you used him in a mentor sense. I don't mean use him, but no, no, you accessed him in a, in a mentor sense. Mates. So look, you basically said, look, I, I'm in this pickle, but I've got all these skills. Yeah. I look up to you. Um, what do you... And you're saying to him, what do you advise me to do? Or yeah. how would you suggest I go about this? And did he actually say, mate... Think about doing this. Think about risk-free. Yeah, and and that you know, and he explained his model in, in certain parts, and it and it works beautifully. Because it's, and it's sort of in in a funny respect, it's 
it's sort of like saying, well, there's no point me taking the risk when the Hilton's going to take the risk anyway. That's right. And they're a big organisation. They can run a loss leader because they've got to run a hotel. Yeah. So they're going to take the risk no matter what. Well, they didn't want a hotel restaurant. That's the, that's the beauty of where we came in. And and I was a bit sceptical of it all. But, but when we agreed 14 years ago, um, if you want a, a restaurant, I don't want hotel involvement. So you let us do what we do. And, we, and they agreed, you know, we, there was a bit of, and that's like the cruise ships. If you want a restaurant on your cruise ships, we don't want, you don't want it like your normal other restaurants on the cruise ships. So that's, we gave an expertise that they couldn't deliver themselves. So that's how so, it's so what it's you've a partnership. Done, yeah. And that's great. So what you've basically done is if you're, you, what you've done, you've destructured how a restaurant normally works. So, and you've taken out those parts that are associated with risk and those those risks, you've actually moved those over here. So you deconstructed the restaurant business into its various parts. Yeah. And you've said to the cruise ships, you take control of all the ordering and uh, all the other stuff, staff and yeah. premises and blah, 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 and customers. And I'll take control of the, the product and the quality and the brand. Exactly. So it's a deconstruction. Yeah. So I think people listening to us have to understand if you've got a skill, you know, you've got a Luke Mangan skill. You've 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 studied um, how to be a good chef, and you think you're very good at it. Then the next process to me, because the most successful businesses in the world are deconstructions, it's very difficult to be a great restaurateur and just own one restaurant yeah. and do that forever. It, they're, they're rare, aren't they? Well, there's a story to this. Also, I used to when I had salt and I was going through the bad bad times. There was a restaurant I went to in Paddington. You'd know I won't mention it because I respect the guy, but. He um, was a chef and I'd go there for Saturday lunch and he would have been um, 55 and he had about four tables every Saturday for lunch. So it wasn't a booming business, but it's a good branded restaurant. I used to go there every Friday for about 10 years. Anyway, so he was standing in the kitchen and I'd, I just looked in because he had a you know, sort of an open kitchen and I looked in and, and he wasn't happy. And I just thought to myself, I do not want to be like you. Yeah. Now, he may have been happy. I don't know. And I never went and spoke to him about it. But there was something in my head when I saw him. And I said, I don't want to do that. I don't want to stand in a kitchen when I'm 50, 45 or whatever and have one restaurant. And that was a big game changer for me. And that's when I started to do work on Channel 9 Today Show to start to build the brand. I didn't know I was building a brand, but then I had to realize I needed In hindsight, build. you now know it. Yeah, big time. And, and when hindsight, Luke, would you say you actively – deconstructed the restaurant business and took out of it what you can actually multiply? Because, I mean, what you've basically done is you've deconstructed all the various assets within a restaurant business, a successful restaurant business, just one. And then what I'm, my observation is you then said, I've t- I'll take those things out I'm really good at and I'll leave those risky things in there. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to actually multiply myself, those good things, mm. across the board. Exactly right. 21 restaurants. Did you do it purposefully or it just happened? Bit of both. Bit of both. Bit of both. But you need to do it with a partner who believes in you mm. and who's going to leave you alone. That's this is your Asian partner, your Japanese partner? Yes, yep. 100%. He's a money man. Yep. Great. And he supplies and boom, boom. So you've and, got and a funder. With, so, yeah, same with the Hilton deal and things like that and P&O. So you've got to, um, uh, if, if they give you faith and just leave you to what you do, you, that's good, isn't it? Well, because they're... chefs don't know figures. Okay, I'm going to throw a few names up, up at you. Um I know a few uh, chefs, um, but they said, and I just, when you're telling me this, I'm just starting to think they're doing the sort of same, same sort of thing as you. Mm. One of my great mates, Guillaume Brahimi, yeah. uh, Guillaume's Good doing bloke. it for the crown. Yeah, 
He's with, doing with, it. He's doing it in Crown and Sydney and um, Melbourne. And, and Perth. Sorry, Melbourne and Perth. Yeah. And, uh, and well, probably Sydney as well. Probably do, he'll probably yeah, do Sydney right. as well. Barangaroo. Yeah. Um. So and his skill is brand and quality and product and service. Yep. Um, and yeah, he, and he's got a great restaurant down here in Sydney now. The, yeah, there's the a new brasserie yep, he's opened up. Fantastic. And, and he just that's one he likes to have just because you know he needs he, he needs a base. Look, a chef needs to have somewhere where he actually can get in and do his chef thing. Exactly. You know? Um, uh, Neil Perry yep. recently, this yeah. big fun, managed fund coming board, all the things that he's involved now. Neil is actually I saw he's fronting now for for them and uh, they, what, they bought sake as well. So same group. Exactly right. So I yeah. saw him talking about sake the other day. Yeah, they seem to be the most successful guys in this environment. Well, to, Tom Pash, who is part of that, uh, is an American guy and was involved in all those deals in Vegas and things like right. that. So he gets that American mod, that model of the franchise, I guess, and that's what kind of what they're doing. Wolfgang Puck. Yeah, genius. Yep. So it's. So what we're talking about here is um, this is business concepts. This is not you being a chef. No. This is really about the business of food and entertainment. Yeah. You've still got to deliver a fantastic product. And I think, you know, Guillaume and Neil and all the other guys are doing that. And, and But it's just, I feel, I, probably by saying it, it sounds a bit funny, but yes, I've been lucky and I've got some great things behind me, but it is a tough business, just a standalone restaurant. Yeah, yeah. And you've to, to me... And I, I learned that back in 2004-05 with, when Salt was in those bad days, got to have multiple streams of income. And that's where I started on the cookbooks, the product business we do. We've got oils and blah, blah. And that's, you need, because if one goes down, I've got other income because I didn't have a lot of money in those days. Yeah. And why, why do you think, I mean, there is a new phenomenon, probably globally, but I can only talk about this country, but there is a new phenomenon that I've observed over the last 10 years is the popularity of Food or food shows, for example. Like MasterChef's yeah. a good example, yeah. but you know, but also My Kitchen Rules and yeah. you know Gordon Ramsay, blah blah blah. There is a massive surge over the last maybe fifteen years mm. of the importance of food to us. There's food channels, many food channels. Yeah, what, what do you put it down to? I don't know. Look, you know, it, it, thank God it was in my lifetime <laughs> in <laughs> cooking. You know, because I love all those shows, the MasterChef and and, and um, Kitchen Rules. Because it brings the, the the brand of a chef out and it gets people interested in eating in restaurants and knowing good produce and good quality. So I think that's a fantastic thing. And it gets young kids interested in it. The only downside to it is probably young kids see it and want to be like George and Matt Preston or whoever in a hurry and don't yeah. they forget how they got there. Um, so that that's the downside because, you know, we're losing over 50% of young kids in the industry drop out before they finish their apprenticeship. Now I'm talking to um, government at the moment on, on on programs that we can get in, try and get chefs into schools, talk to kids at that you know um, form five, form six area just before they're about to leave to try and get them to think about our industry because apprenticeships are dying art now, sadly. Is it is it is it because do you think it's because some um, apprentices see themselves becoming chefs who are going into a restaurant which ultimately get has to take on people like salt and that I can't beat salt, so what's the point of doing it? Is it maybe that the course is wrong? Maybe it shouldn't be apprenticeship. Maybe it should be a university course. You know, running a business of, of yeah. in, 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 running a business of food. Uh, yeah, 100%. Look, what it, whatever it takes to get people in the industry, because it's an amazing industry, because you can travel the world. You can, you can see so many different things. And look what I've done after being thrown out of school and got into it. And, and other chefs. So you get to, there's just so much to do. So, okay, for all those young guys, you know, year 11 and 12, year fifth form, sixth form, and you're my, yours in my case, 11 and 12 guys yes. who are thinking about what they're going to do and they're listening to Luke Mangan here and they always wanted to, 
they they want to do something great, and uh, you'll you'll effectively become a global brand, your business, and you will become a global brand. Um, is there something that you would advise them? Is there some piece of advice you would say to them if there are if they have stars in their eyes, but at the same time are concerned that they can't survive as a chef? I mean, what would you say to these guys? Well, I think as you you said it before, you you've got to persist and be patient and and. I'm not a patient type of person. I don't think I was patient when I was young, but for some reason I got through. But, you know, set goals. It was really important for me. And I did set some goals. I wanted my first restaurant by I was 30 and stuff like that. So setting goals and, and, and being patient, I think, would be the ones. And you know, on reflection, listening to you, and I never thought you were going to say this today, but I guess it happens to everyone. It happened to me too. How important is actually at some stage being open to the to the fact of someone knows more about this industry than you do and pretty much bending over for him. In other words, what you did with the Mr. Rue in France yeah. and you persisted, you got a job with him and you learned from him. Then yeah. then you uh, got involved, then you went, went met uh, John Hemmies and you persisted with that and you actually learned from him. Yeah. And then you went with a money man and you persisted with him and you learned from him. Yeah. How important is this this mentoring these mentoring aspects? Oh, I think it's really important. I think I think because um, you still learn today. I mean, comments you've made today, I've learned from you on on some things, and I think that's important. And always, you know, I've got we've got a great client base and businessmen and bankers and all that sort of stuff. I'm always asking questions. You know, what's the market like? How's the what's what's the feel out there? Why is business down a bit? Business lunch or whatever. So you've always got to keep asking questions because you you know back when you're fifteen, twenty, thirty. As I said, I was pretty cocky and, and thought I knew everything. But, you know, as you get older, you mature and you want to learn more. And I, I think it's important to keep your finger on the pulse because another restaurant's going to open around the corner. Another chef's going to write a cookbook. Um, someone else is going to take your TV job on on the tally or something like that. So it's always good to be a step ahead and ask people. Like, example, John Borghetti from Virgin Australia. I, I, I t You know, we work closely with them, but, but talk to him a lot about business and, and restaurants and, and things like that. And, and it's really inspiring. Do you, do you, do you look after the menu in the uh, Virgin, there's a thing called the VIP club mm. deal. Do you, that one. We're allowed to promote that. Or? Oh, no, sure. <laughs> but but do, do you look after those? We, we have, um, yes, we do. We I have do. to tell you, that is unbelievable. Good. I mean, I, I'm, John invited me there and I, I have to say I go there and uh, it's funny. It turns you around in terms of the decision, which airline you're going to fly with on a particular flight. Yeah, right. Particularly in terms of domestic. Good. Um, it's Quite a brilliant move by Borghetti. It is. You need to fly to uh, US in the new seats on the new plane. I, I might do that. Yeah, please. Because, I mean, I have to say it is quite a brilliant move. I, I, and I, that might sound a bit self-serving because I actually go to that place. But it is, it is a brilliant move because it actually has – I know a lot of people going there now and they're contemporaries of mine. And yeah. It's all about getting there. I actually I don't like to get to airports early. No, that's right. But I now like to get to that particular yeah, airport it, early because I like to enjoy – what they what they offer the yeah. service they offer it's just unbelievable. Mm. Um, I I wanted to say something to you, Luke, and and I and I want to ask your view on this, and and it's an observation of mine that I've been looking at. The world today um, seems to reward people with skill, persistence, and um, man a skill in a discipline, cooking. If I can reduce it to that, yeah. Um, um, the discipline of um, patience and and just being disciplined, like strong with that, and finally having a, a further ability to run a business, they are rewarding people with those three things when they open up a marketplace. Now, 
Now, what I mean by a marketplace, like Google's a marketplace, for example, Amazon's a marketplace. And to some extent, my, my observation is what the successful chefs are doing is they're opening up marketplaces. And what you've done is you've opened up a marketplace called on the platform of called Salt, um, and in, in in this case, Salt, and you are that marketplace is um, filling a position whereby you are matching food and premises with consumers and or customers of that particular premises. So you are, and you're doing it on a, on a global basis. So marketplaces are very, very important and you, and it's a reliable marketplace. In other words, I know that every time I go to salt, I'm going to get this quality and this service mm. and it's money can be consistent at this price. That's, know, that's our goal. Yes. That, that's your marketplace. Yeah. So we, I think, and this applies to just about every business I ever interview in this show, the successful ones are the ones who understand the marketplace um, requirements and the marketplace is the new disruption. It has disrupted all the little operators, your mate in Paddington. Mm. They're mm. always going to find it harder to compete with the marketplaces because the marketplaces is, is available everywhere. Yeah, I know if I go on a Pinot, I'm going to get the same experience as I go if I go to Virgin yep. or if I go to uh, a salt restaurant somewhere else. Yep. Um, I know I'm going to get the same experience. And when we think about food... Um, when I think about food, Lucas, I'm thinking about, I'd, I'd actually not that keen on experimenting with something else. No, that's right. You, you stick to what you know yeah, and, correct. and what you enjoy. I, I'm a think person like that. I go to all the same restaurants because I know that the food they got there and the service we're going to get, it's, it's pretty good. We just opened up a, um, a, a fast food outlet in, in, I saw in, that in Chifley. In yeah. Um, and we're about to launch another one. Is that one. in Chifley Tower? Yep. Is it upstairs? Level uh, two. Up near the where Azuma is? Yeah, exactly yeah. right. Great Japanese restaurant. Great. Um, so we've opened an org- organic chicken place, and it's called Chicken Confidential. I've seen it. And we're opening um, another one at Sydney International Airport um, before you get into customs. We opened that in August. But it's to me, I want to open 20, 30 of these and, and throughout Australia and in Asia. We're looking at a site in Japan at the moment for it, and we're also looking at Tell a Tell me site. about it. What, what sort of food well, is it? Well, <clears throat> there's a lot – a lot of chefs are doing meat burgers and things yep, like yep. that, which is great. Yep. And, and to me, that market is starting to get a little flooded, yep. uh, in my opinion. So I thought, you know, um, what can we do different in fast food or in, in a good thing? And then you think of other burger joints and you've got chicken brands and stuff like that. So I thought, let's do something related to chicken, but let's do it organic chicken. No one's doing organic chicken. I love it. So we're doing uh, organic chicken burgers, chicken wraps, you know, chicken salads, all that sort of thing but organic, and that's our point of difference. And, and to answer your question before, when you open a restaurant, you've got to open it and have a point of difference. Right. Big thing. What are you opening a restaurant for? Because you don't want to open a restaurant just like Otto down the road or something like that. And, and to me, um, that's a very important step when you open a restaurant. Be different. Just don't open something similar. Well, I would try, try an organic Chicken burger. I won't. I won't eat a chicken burger as such because I can get them anywhere. Yeah, um, exactly. And I, and I just don't think about it. Yeah. But if it was organic chicken, I definitely would. Particularly if I'm at an airport or a, 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 my office is in Chifley Square, across the road from Chifley uh, Tower. Well, if you don't have one of these burgers, mate, I'm, I'm definitely going to go. No, I'm going to go. It's, it's open now. Open now. We're at lunch I'll go there today. I'll go, I'll go across there today. I seriously will. And. Uh, um, and I'll wear one of my beanies that um, <laughs> uh, that uh, Mark Hughes was promoting uh, on yes. the show last night, for, uh, be- beanies for brain yeah, cancer. fantastic. And, uh, and I'll go over there with my beanie on and I'll get a chicken burger. I'll tell you what I – because and if, and if it's something that I like when I feel like a burger, yeah. that's what will be – that'll be lodged in my brain. I'll think, hang on, 
I'm going to go to Luke's place. There we go. Good. So it's organic and healthy. We're trying to do that yeah, sort yeah. of but, thing. Because that's – when I'm in my office, I mean, I'm, and I don't think I'm you – know, people think, oh, yeah, Boris, you're sitting up there in your big tower and all that. But I'm like every other fuck. I mean, I'm sitting there thinking to myself, oh, today I feel like a, a burger or today I feel like fish. Oh, I've got to think, where's, where's the fish joint? Yeah, right. So I know I, this might sound a little bit out of myself, but um, I go to the fish joint, my fish joint, because I'm in Chifley Square, which is underneath me is Neil Perry's yeah. Uh, restaurant. Yeah. And uh, there's a, got a but, bar in the front, right? Oh, yeah, the bar, yeah, yeah. And I go in there and I just get a bit of fish and salad. Now, that, when I need fish and salad, because, you know, like I don't cook at home, like I'm, right. I'm a single bloke, so yeah. i got no one to cook for me. Uh, so I, I don't eat much of a dinner, so I'll have a good lunch. Do you know that we've got a restaurant in the Hilton you can come to and we have a bar as well? So feel free to come Thanks, up there mate, as well. Glass at the Hilton. Yeah, so, yeah, do, and fish? Fish? Well, we actually have fish too. Yeah. <laughs> like, if you want fish and salad, I just want quick bang, boom, mate, done, come done. Up, fish and salad. We'll and, do and, and if I'm thinking a chicken burger, I'll, I want organic. Exactly. I actually do want organic because I don't want a battery chicken exactly. or chicken that's been sitting there getting bashed up all yeah, its exactly. whole life and is pretty unhappy. Exactly. I like the thought of uh, at least it's organic meat. So... And that's what people are listening. You just said a very important thing. It's about uniqueness, some unique quality that mm. you offer. And a chicken, organic chicken burger, now that's going to stick in my head. Well, if you think about it, who's doing it? No one. I don't know. I I've, done, know. I've done the research. There's, there's no one doing it like we're doing. It. Every bit, bit of chicken's organic. And I, look, I, I get it because, I mean, you're right. Um, when you said to me who does it, I actually don't know. Mm. Which means there may be someone who's there, doing it. But there may be, yeah. There may be, but they haven't promoted it. And yeah. that's where Luke Mangan, your brand comes, it becomes really important. Yeah. You promote that. Yeah. And that's and what are you going to do, a chain of these? No, I hope to, yeah. As a franchise? Very much, yeah. Yeah, franchise. So we'll build up, you know, four or five and then start franchising. So the colonel's going to have to check things. That's who we could be taking on. When be, well, you are going to get him. I, I, because, you know, what, I mean, serious. I mean, are they expensive? No, they are a little bit more expensive. Price-wise, like what are we talking, uh, you, 10%, 20% more? Yeah, probably 10% more. Yeah, but, but so in that territory, if you pick your right locations, people are probably, in Chifley Tower, for example, yeah. are probably prepared to pay more. Well, we've got a big rent there to pay as well. Exactly, <laughs> but, but, you, but they should pay more because the, the, the chicken costs more. Well, it, 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 it is. I've tried to do a deal where we get the chicken at a free range, you know, at a sort of normal price, but we, we've done it as best we can. But I think, you know, you can pick up a, a good burger for a good price. Yes, you be the judge. I will, I'll, I'll, no, I'll, no, I'll email you today because... And, and I'll, you be I'll the talk, judge when you come for I'll, some fish at glass I'll, as well. I'll talk about it next week on, on the show. But and I, yeah, because another thing I always think about is where can I just get organic eggs? You know, because yeah. I'm an egg man every breakfast. That's exactly. Right. The only thing I can and think of. And I only of have that. organic eggs as well. You do? Yeah, 100%. Have, you mean you have it there or? In the restaurants? Yeah, right, and, in the restaurant. Exactly. Because people, you know, when I have breakfast, I can't think, actually don't can't think what I should have for breakfast. Mm. I can never think, what am I going to have for breakfast today? Well, I end up having an omelette or something like yeah. that, something with eggs. Porridge. Don't you love porridge? I do, but I it puts weight on me, mate. It, it, I, look I, at you, mate. You yeah, need but, to put on weight. You're a fit, fitness fan. But, but if I have porridge, no joke, no, I'm not, I'm not, if I have porridge, I put on weight so fast, wow, I can put right. on like kilos within like three weeks. But I love porridge. No, I but again, I want organic. Yeah. And, I'm, and by goats. the way, people say, oh, yeah, you wanker, you know, you're, you're <laughs> paying so much money for organic. But like one bowl of organic porridge was going to cost me 10 cents more, yeah, 15 exactly cents right. more. Yeah. Bullshit. It's not, it's not that bad. No. It's not that big a deal. Or same with eggs. It's not going to be that much more money no. for one, one meal. Yeah. And, uh, and, all right, and the, all right, I might be at a certain level in terms of you know, people's incomes, but I, I also represent a massive proportion of Australians because there are a lot of people who can afford to pay extra 15 cents to eat organic. Mm. And I think you should eat organic particularly when it comes to chickens, because I don't cool. see non-free uh, range or organic environments for chickens, as far as I'm concerned, is just not on. Yeah. When you agree. see what happens. Yeah. You know, and uh, Jamie Oliver and all those sort of people brought this to the fore. Yeah. Another example of uh, what oh, mate, you're talking about. Isn't he good? Brand. He's amazing. And franchising your own brand. Yeah. I always ask anyone who comes on the show, 
and maybe it's not going to apply to you, but is there something you'd like to ask me? Yeah, I think uh, I've always wanted to ask you. Um, for you, do you think it's it's uh, because you've done incredibly well, luck or hard work? I think I think it's I think it's in reverse. I think it's hard work, and the luck will find you. Yeah, right. So so I'm going to extend. So in your early part of your career, yep. you you not similar to me, but you 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 struggled along the way, absolutely, and then fell. You found that things I found came people along. like you, people like you found I who who come across. I came across in my life. Who, actually, was, who was the one person? If, well, the first. The, well, I had two probably. The first person was the guy, a guy called David Babsky, who was running the law firm I went to work for. Yeah, and um. He didn't teach me so much about the law, but he taught me about running a business right. of a law firm. Yeah. And he was a great businessman, and he still is a great businessman. David um, started up the Aquil Group in Australia, the right. hotel, Sofitel, yeah. et cetera. Um, and, uh, and, but before that, he was a lawyer. He was, he was a great businessman and a great mind, a great thinker, and uh, a great, per, uh, brilliant at working out how to get around a problem. Mm. So assessing the problem, how to get around. And he sort of dragged me into his firm. He got me out of another firm and took me out, and uh, which is, that's, probably one of the most significant things that have happened in my life. And I, wow. I'm forever thankful today for that. And the other person was clearly Kerry, Kerry Packer. So Kerry Packer in the wizard days, Kerry came right. along and my, and became my partner in 1999. And, um, not dissimilar to what you had in your Japanese partner. Yep. He, he was my money man, but he was always giving me advice on money and how to manage my business from a cash flow point of view. Yeah. Kerry didn't care what the profit and loss looked like. He used to say each really? month, mate, how much money came in and how much money went out? Right. We want more in than out. That's yeah. all that mattered to him. Yeah. More in than out every month. And every month I had to report to him and every month he wanted, you know, I, we, me and a number of others all had to line up and talk to him about what, how our business was going because right. he invested a lot of businesses. So they're the, probably the two biggest influences in my life. I didn't chase Kerry um, and David Bowski. I just sort of, I, I don't know, somebody just stumbled across him. It's so a bit of luck there as well. Luck. But yeah. I worked my ass off, to be honest with you, yeah, for, sure. for both of them. Yeah. So And you hard, still do. Still do. And hard work is is the key. Mm. I, I mean, I'm doing this stuff because I, every day I learn from people like you. Every time I do a podcast, I learn something. Yeah. And I'm open to it every single time. And you're putting back into people who listen. So hopefully young kids who listen. Well, that's what will, we want. Yeah. We, I mean, you, you said it before. You uh, said how young men and women are dropping out of being chefs mm. at, a, at an alarming rate. And what you're trying to do now is actually get a message to them that mm. there are ways you can actually be very successful in this industry, but you have to understand how the industry works. Yeah, yeah. And I'm the same about business generally. Um, and I, because there's two reasons for it. One, I actually want to put back in. But two, the better people other people do, the better I end up doing. Yeah. It's true, and same for you. Yeah, and 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 uh, and and you also. I find I owe it because someone, two men, in their lifetimes decided to help me out and to advise me, and let's call it mentor me. Yeah, Um, I think you've got to put that back into the system. Yeah, big time. And you owe it. We owe it to mentor people back. Yeah, that's the cycle. That's how it works. Agree. So I'll see you at lunch today. You bet, mate. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. This has been the Mark Boris Podcast. You can follow Mark on Twitter at Mark Boris and find out more at markboris.com.au. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.